Welcome, Bird Gang. It's a football Friday ahead of Sunday night football. That's right. In case you missed it, the Cardinal-Seahawks game is now on the national stage. Second straight primetime game for the Cardinals. All right, on today's show, how do the Cardinals pin the first loss on the Seahawks? Glad you asked. Mike Jarecki has his three keys to victory, plus the X factor. And oh yeah, some late-breaking news. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 338, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side, defense caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown. Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Funny how the universe works out sometimes, MJ. Let's go back to Monday night. AT&T Stadium inside the Cardinals locker room, and I quote head coach Cliff Kingsbury, we like playing under bright lights. Let's play ourselves into a lot more of these. End quote. Three days later, Cardinal Seahawks moved to prime time on Sunday Night Football. And then today marks the anniversary of that 6-6 overtime tie, Cardinals and Seahawks. That was one of those games that we discussed yesterday, but it happened this week, four years ago on October 23rd, 2016. Yeah, and that game, obviously, when you have overtime and Teams are running the ball, and Carson threw it 49 times in that game. That game was three hours and 41 minutes, and uh, there was 65,000 there, and I want to say maybe 15 to 20,000 Seahawks fans. And that will not be the case coming up on Sunday Night Football. That doesn't mean you won't see some neon in there, but you should see the majority of Cardinal fans when it comes to 1,200 people. So it's going to be quite the contrary over the previous years when Seattle travels. Now, Craig, the one year, and this could have been it, uh, Seahawks-Cardinals on Thursday night, uh, and then on Saturday it was UW against ASU, and a lot of people came out here and they played golf Thursday afternoon, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday. So we do appreciate you bringing economy. Uh, but this year you're not invited. Well said. That's right. A limited number of fans at State Farm Stadium on Sunday night, and hopefully all field goals are good field goals, at least for the Arizona Cardinals. Remember, it was Chandler Catanzaro hit the left upright on a 24-yard attempt with 319 to go, would have won it. And then Seahawks had one more attempt. Steven Hoshka wide left on a 28-yard attempt with seven seconds to play, and both teams walked off the field with a tie, although Cardinals certainly felt like they lost that contest, and everyone certainly felt the effects of that, not only the next day, but several days after. Uh, it was a bloodbath. Now, Catton Zero had a uh, kick block, the 39-yarder. He made a 46 and 45, and as you pointed out, he missed a 24-yarder, hit the left up, and here we are talking about it four years later. It is always a different story. Something weird always seems to happen when these two teams meet. Cardinals winless at home against the Seahawks over the last seven games. 2012 is the last time the Cardinals beat the Seahawks at home. That was Russell Wilson's debut as a Seattle Seahawks quarterback. And even then, 
he almost rallied the Seahawks to a victory. Yeah, well, hopefully that's going to change in the next few years. And you win the first one, you get greedy, and you try to sweep them, something that hasn't happened in a long time. So we'll see what happens again. 520 is the kickoff. A reminder, Sunday night football. Of course, I know the Bird Gang is well aware, but in case you might have forgotten or it might have slipped, it is not a 105 kickoff anymore. Move to prime time because the Raiders concerns with COVID-19. So the Raiders Buccaneers will play in the afternoon, hopefully. And then, of course, Cardinal Seahawks to finish off week seven Sunday night football with Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, Michelle Tafoya, the entire crew at State Farm Stadium. A couple of injury items, and right now, all good for the Cardinals with respects to DeAndre Hopkins. Head coach Cliff Kingsbury said he was, quote, hopeful that Hopkins will be able to go and then use the bye week to kind of get that ankle cleared up. Now, we know that Hopkins is not missing this game, MJ. I don't care if he hasn't practiced all week, all season. He is not going to miss this game. It's too important, and as we've discussed here several times, he just doesn't miss games, period. No, and, and he practiced uh, the last few days. Obviously, he was out there during the open portion. I don't know if they limited his reps. He's not missing this game. It's uh, He wouldn't have missed the game if it was one, at 105, but he's definitely not missing this. Um, the Texans have played on Monday Night Football. Al Michaels has called their game. So um, he's not missing this game for obvious reasons. And the fact is that hopefully uh, when it comes to Kyler Murray, and DeAndre Hopkins, they don't have those miscommunications because clearly they didn't have the same offseason. Yes, they went to Texas for a few days. And then, you know, Hopkins missed some time in training camp. And I see we're starting to see a little bit of that. But obviously they, they have conversations daily and hopefully it gets better. And if there are heated conversations, folks, it's okay. Television cameras sometimes will pick it up, and it did on Monday nights. And then Hopkins told the Monday night crew that Murray is the first quarterback he's had that's actually yelled at him. Now, this was all kind of in the midst of what is going on during the course of a contest. Everything is all good. Both tweeted out that they had each other's backs the next day. But it is something that was a, just a talking point this week because typically – those frustrations, yeah, you're gonna, they're gonna boil over sometimes, but you don't want them to be visible, and it was caught on camera. But it's not the first time, and might not be the last time. No, and and there's times when Kyler's come to the sidelines and not happy with the way the guy runs a route. It doesn't have to be DeAndre Hopkins. There's times that Hopkins comes to the sidelines. Matter of fact, last week, two catches for 25 yards in the first half. You can see he was disappointed. He definitely was targeted in the second half. And listen, there's only one ball to go around. And, you know, guys will come back to the hull and say, I'm open. You know what Kurt Warner would tell him? Uh, show me you're open, okay? Don't tell me. Show me you're open, and I'll throw the ball to you. Kingsbury earlier today, quote, it's just part of the process. Both those guys just want to win. And then he added, it can be positive if handled the right way. And I think it was handled the right way between the quarterback and wide receiver. Well, we always hear – you know, guys want to be good. They want to have a nice career. These two guys we're talking about, they want to be great. And Hopkins is on a collision course to put up numbers like Larry Fitzgerald. Don't know about, you know, certain stats, et cetera, with the one franchise. And then Kyler Murray, 
These guys want to be great. They, they want to be in the Hall of Fame, and they got a long ways to go, but they want to be great, and that's the difference of just being good. Yeah, and you forget it's only been six games, and Hopkins missed a lot of time in training camp because of that ankle issue. And, of course, no one had a preseason or an offseason, so there is that as well. But still impressive considering Hopkins leads the league in both catches, receiving yards, and yards per game at just over 100. DK Metcalf, number two. So we all anticipate a shootout. One injury note, and this from the Seahawks, Jamal Adams ruled out of this contest because of a groin injury, so he'll miss a third straight game. There was some question on whether he'll be available, which would certainly help a secondary that has been thrown on quite a bit this season, but he will not be in uniform for the Seahawks this week. And if you want to know what that means for the Seahawks, just look how the Cardinals played without Buda Baker. Now, you would think with a bye week, he would get uh, ready to roll, but they really brought him in, obviously, for the regular season. But they're hoping once we get to November, December, and January, that's where he's going to show his worth. But this is a huge loss and a big game from the Cardinals, Craig, from a standpoint of we know about Bobby Wagner. We know about K.J. Wright. They're probably one of the best combos in the division. I'll put Campbell and Hicks in there. Um, but for the most part, Adams is a guy that would come down in the box. So he was almost a linebacker slash safety, very similar to Buda Baker. Cardinals catch a break right here. Obviously, they don't have Chandler Jones, so he can X those two out. Cardinals will next play the Seahawks at Seattle on a short week, Thursday night football, November 19th. So that would be the next opportunity, perhaps Adams getting into his first experience of this Cardinals-Seahawks rivalry. All right, MJ. It is a football Friday here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Week 7 in primetime, Cardinals and Seahawks. The three keys, Mike Jarecki's three keys for a Cardinals win over the lone unbeaten team in the NFC. Well, Kenyon Drake has averaged 17.5 carries per game. Um, you know, him and Chase Evans, uh, you know, they're showing a little bit more when it comes to um, they're averaging about 3.3, Craig, before first contact. And I think it showed, and that's you got to give the offensive line a lot of credit there. They've been strong. And so I think it's imperative um, the Cardinals continue to run the football. And if they can run the football and, you know, face, you know, third and short and not so much third and long, I think it plays into their hand. Um, this offensive line is getting better. They've been together for 22 games. Um, they've created depth. And it's not just Chase Edmonds and Kenyon Drake. i got to include Kyler Murray in there. I want to see at least eight or more rushes, not to be reckless. Some are going to be designed runs. The Cardinals have to win at the line of scrimmage. And I know they can throw on their secondary, um, but I think you have to win the physical attributes, and that's the line. And then if Kyler Murray doesn't turn the ball over. They don't fumble. Uh, I like their chances to put points on the board. But you have to be able to win at the line of scrimmage, and they have to be able to run the football. Speaking of that line of scrimmage, credit StatWiz, Mike Helm, and the Cardinals Media Relations Department about the offensive line, ranking third in both of ESPN's pass block and run block win rates this season, the only team in the NFL in the top three in each category. Just so happened Justin Pugh was made available to the media on this football Friday, and we know he has a 
I wouldn't say love-hate relationship when it comes to metrics and analytics, but his point is how do they know, how do the people at home watching this game know what our assignments are, what our calls are at the line of scrimmage? So he was asked about that because not only is the offensive line graded out well, but he's graded out as well. His response, one, he doesn't pay attention to any of the metrics. Quote, what we put on the film, we have to feel good about it. The coaches have to feel good about it. I don't want to hear from anyone about our offensive line. Everyone wants to bash us one minute and then tell us we're the greatest the next minute. The ebbs and flows, you want to be consistent, end quote. So don't bring up win rates, block rates, PFF to Justin Pugh or that offensive line room. Well, I got news for you. The guy that's the color analyst on Sunday night, he owns part of the pro football focus. They're headquarters out of Cincinnati where he played his pro ball, Chris Collinsworth. And I know they don't have face-to-face meetings. I wonder if Justin Pugh was on the list to talk to Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth because Collinsworth and NBC uses their graphics and their grades. So he's right there in the building. Uh, and, you know, this is going to be the first time Collinsworth called a Kyle Murray game. Um, they normally don't give him a great grade on some of the passing, which I understand. They give him an excellent grade on the running. So um, the fact is, Craig, if you go back to last year, the Cardinals ranked 29th in scoring touchdowns uh, on only 24 of 53 red zone trips. That's 45%. This season, on 20 trips to the red zone, the Cardinals have scored 16 touchdowns and kicked four field goals. And two of those field goals were between 20 and 29 yards. So they're winning at the line of scrimmage. Now you got to do it against the Seahawks. You can't settle for field goals. And while you can pass against this Seahawks defense, they are very good against the run. Seventh overall and seventh in rushing yards per play. So that front seven, their defensive line and linebackers, and particularly their linebackers, certainly sure tacklers, But to your point, yeah, you win at the line of scrimmage. And then I'll even say this. Sometimes your best defense can be your offense. And if you play a little ball control here this Sunday night, and I know it's not something that Kingsbury likes to do, and it's not really part of his plan. As quickly as you can score points, you're going to score. But perhaps to keep Russell Wilson on the sidelines, let him cool off watching this game. Get frustrated watching this game as the Cardinals eat up the clock. That means whether you're in hurry up, you're at the line of scrimmage, but you're not snapping the ball with 15 seconds to go on the play clock. I'm not saying you need 10, 11, 12 play drives, but just take your time a little bit if you're the Cardinals. Hey, I don't know if it's that's what their plan is, but that could be one way to kind of slow down the Seahawks offense. Just don't let them on the field. Well, there's a couple points to that. You could still run the Murray up, hurry up offense, up tempo. Doesn't mean you have to snap the ball with 25 seconds. What you're trying to do is alleviate them making substitution changes. So to keep the same personnel on the field, now we start getting in that fourth quarter, you are playing against Russell Wilson. You are playing against the clock. That happens to be if you have a lead. Now, no lead is safe enough against Russell Wilson. He's Houdini throughout the four quarters. This team has won at least three to four games in the fourth quarter after trailing or at least playing close to the vest. Now, I've been trying to look for the word this week all when it comes to the Cardinals' offense and, and balance, and I finally figured it out. They have 
a more vertical game, and that's what Hopkins lining up at the X. The X receiver always lines up on the left side. Sometimes they'll move him around. But Christian Kirk gives his team a vertical role and a threat down the field, and I think that can go a long way uh, when it comes to running the football and setting up the pass. So number one, win the line of scrimmage and be able to run the football. Don't get behind the sticks with false starts and holding. If somebody's going to go after Murray, I got no issue with the holding. But, you know, get yourself in manageable third downs where you can take some shots down the field. So that's number one. Number two is the Cardinals defense is going to have to um, put pressure on Russell Wilson. He doesn't run as much, but he's capable of running. He'd rather extend plays and run around like Kyler at times and then try to find a guy down the field. His numbers outside, well, his stats outside the numbers are remarkable. He's completing over 70% of his passes outside the numbers. So maybe the middle of the field's not open. Maybe guys are dragging back to the sidelines, but he can make every throw and the Cardinals have to eliminate those chunk plays. I didn't say splash plays. Splash plays are 20 yards or more. Chunk plays are close to 35 to 40 and more. You cannot give up chunk plays to the Seahawks um, because then they start rolling, they get more confidence, and then they can try to utilize play action and run the football. So eliminate the chunk plays. Don't allow them to get behind you on the defense's uh, secondary. As elusive as Wilson is, he has been prone to the sack, especially in matchups against the Cardinals. Now, typically that was Chandler Jones bringing him down, I think, seven, eight, or nine times in the career matchups between Chandler Jones and Russell Wilson. You don't have 55 on the field, but what we saw on Monday night is the ability for this defense to get pressure on the opposing quarterback in a number of other ways, winning one-on-one matchups or lining guys different places across the line of scrimmage, Devon Kennard, inside as a nose tackle, if you will. Wilson has been sacked 15 times this season, but he only has three interceptions. So he's more likely to go down as opposed to throw the ball into pressure and live for the next down. But you certainly have to make him uncomfortable, if you will, but maintain his area within the pocket, if that makes sense. Get him to move around, but don't get him to move around too far left or right because that's when he's, as Vance Joseph mentioned earlier this week, the most dangerous. Yeah, and, you know, if you want to go through Wilson's numbers, quarterback rating first, 129. He's first in yards per plate, 8.9. They're first in scoring almost 34 points a game. In the red zone, they're 89%. You mentioned nine over three. He's averaging 300 yards a game on the ground. Um, their rush offense is averaging uh, 4.9 yards per carry. They're seventh in the N- 17th in the NFL, 115 yards. So, um, again, it's, it's going to be difficult. But, again, at the same time, just eliminate the chunk plays. All right. So we've got control the line of scrimmage, the Cardinals being able to run the football. We've got the Cardinals defense getting pressure on Russell Wilson. Again, not so much the sacks, but the hurries, the pressures, knock them down, make them fill you, if you will. Don't give them a lot of time to throw the football. So what's the third key for the Cardinals to get that win at home against the Seahawks? Well, I'm going to take a page out of your book when it comes to the Cardinals kickoff magazine, which is uh, issued every single week. Unfortunately, you were able to get the Insider magazine at the stadium, and I like what you have. Buda Baker, 
spying possibly on Russell Wilson. So keep him in the pocket. You know, um, I'm not saying he's going to do it all the time, but that's one guy that has the ability to go to sideline to sideline with Russell Wilson, keep everything in front of you, and that will avoid some of those chunk plays I was talking about where he doesn't hold the ball for four or five seconds because you're asking the secondary to plaster coverage for that long, and it's not feasible. So put Buda Baker on Russell Wilson, and I'll take my chances there. And if you're going to do that, then you better hope Patrick Peterson, Drake Kirkpatrick, and Byron Murphy can hold up against a DK Metcalf, a Tyler Lockett, and I'll even throw in the tight end position as well. Haven't heard too much of Greg Olson or Will Disley this season, but they are factors. And, of course, we know their ability, especially against the Cardinals defense. But if you're able to kind of move Buda Baker around, then that means you trust your other guys in the secondary to kind of lock up or at least contain, especially DK Metcalf. Yeah, and it's one of those scenarios where, you know, all week we thought just based on Patrick Peterson last year covering DK Metcalf, coming to one catch for six yards, um, and Vance alluded that he may not cover him every time, but we know that Byron Murphy is going to cover Tyler Lockett. Now, DK Metcalf is a much better player. You know how much I've talked about him and Russell Wilson spending time in the offseason, not so much in Seattle, um, in California. Um, they, they vacation at different spots, or at least Russell and him are throwing each other. He's become a better route runner. Now, people are going to say, why did he drop? Well, first of all, he had a neck surgery. He was a one-trick pony. He really was a guy that can just fly down the field. He was not very productive at Ole Miss. The numbers reflect it. Obviously, he had the injury with the neck, but you got to give him a lot of credit. He's he's made himself a you know number one wide receiver in this league. He's got a bright future. He's got a the body that he can go up and get those 50-50 balls. So he is vastly improved. Um, but if if Patrick Peterson can get a chance to shadow him. We know Murphy's going to be inside, Drake or Patrick. Um, you got DJ Moore out there. I'm glad you brought up the tight ends. Um, but to me, um, as you pointed out, they just can't allow those guys to get the deep ball. So that's why I think you got to get pressure up front, and that's why I have Booter playing close to the line of scrimmage. The X factor is Kyler Murray. I talked about the run game, and, you know, obviously I was referring to, you know, Drake and, and Edmonds and Murray. I just think Kyler Murray um, is he can't force the ball. I just I, I just hope that his his accuracy is a lot better. So I'm gonna put a lot of this on Kyler Murray. He's he's gotta show up in prime time. Okay. He did it on Monday night, didn't turn the ball over, only had one sack. But I wanna see him become a better passer from inside the pocket because I think he's gonna have to make some of those throws. So it's Kyler Murray, obviously, is the X factor, the dual threat. Not so much just the, the throwing, it's the running. And, and again, we talked about them running the ball um, to set up the pass. But if he's able to do both, I think the Cardinals will feel really good about their offense moving forward. It's only been two games, so this will be game number three for Murray against the Seahawks. And maybe this will be the matchup that we see, especially on prime time, in which Murray really breaks through and breaks uh, out, if you will, in front of a national audience. Depending on how you want to look at his performance on Monday, some say he performed poorly. Others, Cliff Kingsbury among those, saying that he performed excellent just because you have to account for what he does, as you mentioned, 
with his legs, even though his arm was completely off as far as targeting the different wide receivers. But with respect to that accuracy, General Manager Steve Kime on this morning with Doug and Wolf on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station asked about that and responded, quote, I have zero concerns, end quote. And then he added, I don't think it was his best game last week, and there were some mechanical flaws, which is what Murray brought up as well when he was asked about it on Wednesday, and perhaps the footwork, something that you're always working on and sometimes you don't think about or when things go bad or that first throw is off, then all of a sudden you kind of go back to some bad habits. And now if Murray can can correct that and maybe get those first couple of throws to connect, then what we've seen is him kind of continue on that path, get that early rhythm to have success for the entire game. Yeah, and he he also admitted I think he came out with too much um, hype, and sometimes when you get so hyped up, you kind of lose some of that energy. And by him running like he did, he got a little winded towards the end of the game. When you're winded, you kind of go back to your bad habits. But people were talking, and I think it was Brian Greasy on Monday Night Football, that he thought his his release point was a little bit longer than previous. I've never seen that or heard that. We watch practice, the open portion. They get rid, he's taught to get rid of that ball so fast. He's, you know, he's, his feet are chopping, his legs are chopping. That's the first time I've heard that. But because he runs and he spends so much energy in that first quarter, just adrenaline and, you know, obviously trying to make plays. And he was pressing. I don't think he's going to press this week like he did last week, going back to Dallas, et cetera. So, um, footwork, mechanics, that should be natural for him. He's done his entire life starting at six years old. We know how important his father was when him, you know, learning how to throw a football and a baseball. So, and Steve said, I watched every film in him in college. I've watched every practice of him and I've watched every game since he's been here. So Steve would know based on all that research before they pulled the trigger and made him the first pick in the draft. Yeah, I think there's certainly going to be a lot less distractions. You're not going back to your hometown and seeing familiar faces in the stands as far as outside of maybe immediate family. Maybe his family will make the trip and be at Sunday's contest, but you're in familiar surroundings, you're back home, and now all of a sudden, I mean, it's, MJ, it's been a while since this team has played at State Farm Stadium. You have to go all the way back to week three when they hosted the Lions on September 27th. Now, we've been there the entire time. That's where the entire crew is for both home and road games. But this Cardinals team has not played in that building in almost a month. And that's where they were basically all of August and into early September getting ready for this season. Yeah, and that's something we talked about, you know, getting off to a good start, considering you had a couple home games uh, they obviously were uh, lost to the, to the Lions. They won the first couple, and then they go to Carolina and lose there. But, you know, we talked about when they get back here, it's going to be late October, and then they're going to have a bye week, and then they're going to have a couple back-to-back home games. So this is where you got to get fat. Uh, we talk about scratching out road games. Um, they've done that. We talk about winning uh, conference and division games. Well, you got another opportunity to do that. So th- these games count as almost double. When you look at the end of the season, Seattle's got a tough schedule over the next five weeks. They got to play the Cardinals, and and, and within the five week span, they got to play the Cardinals again. They got some tough matchups coming up. We'll see if they go four and one, three and two, because that will dictate if they're a number one or two seed in the NFC. 
Yeah, this is a three-game homestand for the Cardinals with that bye week as well. Next week, the bye, and then home to the Dolphins, home to the Bills, a couple of AFC East teams that have to make their way from the East Coast to the West Coast. So you certainly have to take advantage. I wouldn't say sweep. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but you have to be able to get those games because you missed out earlier in the season with the Lions and Panthers. Yeah, and, you know, uh, obviously we're going to see Tua unless something, you know, transpires between now and then. A guy that can run around, doesn't have a lot of NFL experience, road game for him. And then you look at the Buffalo Bills. They started off 4-0, and and they've played two really good teams in the last two weeks, and they lost. And everyone's going to look at the Cardinals schedule and the Seahawks schedule and say, who have you beaten? It doesn't matter. They don't make the schedule. You just play it and just try to win as many games. So I would say the Dolphins and the Bills are on the rise. Buffalo's coming off a two-game losing streak. And give Brian Flores a lot of credit. That team is 3-3. Three and three, And they, you know, they got a lot of new faces. They got a lot of new coaches. But I think they made the right hire. So those teams are on the rise on paper. We'll see with how they're playing when they get to State Farm Stadium. Bird Gang, make sure you update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more. Let's bring the conversation back to Week 7 and this Seahawks contest. Going to ask you a question that I asked you ahead of last week's game on prime time. Cardinals-Cowboys, now we've got Cardinals-Seahawks. Is this going to be a shootout that everyone expected Monday night football to be, but now we're just six days later? Well, I look at the Cardinals' strength on offense is running the ball, and, you know, if Murray can get on track, I think they can put points on the board. I think they've shown that now. They're not going to get the credit because they did it against the Jets and they did it against the Cowboys, Um, but I couldn't care less about that. So uh, when you you look at that standpoint, um, I don't think it's going to be 38-35. I think you're going to see a defensive game here. I'm thinking, you know, 28-24. Um, I could be wrong. You know, you get a special teams uh, touchdown, a defensive touchdown. It flips everything. Um, but I do think it's going to be a close game. And like I said, I like the Cardinals 28-24. Again, it wouldn't surprise me 31-28. Um, but for the most part, I, I just see – you know, these defenses, if let's hypothetically, Craig, you get 10 or 11 possessions, they get 10 or 11 possessions. Um, you're going to punt a few times, but I do think the defense, both defenses will make a stop and it won't be a track meet. Um, could be wrong. You know, if the Cardinals get off to a good start, we know Kingsbury is going to go for it on fourth down. We know he's going to put his foot on the, on the gas pedal. Um, this could be a statement game. Um, you know, we talk about signature wins. Uh, all that stuff, but I, I just think if they're going to do a track meet, I, I don't know if that's the best idea considering how Russell Wilson plays in the fourth quarter. Seahawks, the number one scoring offense in the league, almost 34 points a contest. The Cardinals, the number two scoring defense, allowing just under 19 points a contest, and they've allowed the fewest points in the NFC, just 112. I don't think we anticipated that happening, even though it is just a six-game sample size. Yet I certainly could see and understand where people think, all right, first team to 40 wins this contest just because of how Russell Wilson is playing. And then on the flip side, if you're the Cardinals and Wilson is going off throwing four or five touchdowns, then you better be able to keep up or it can get out of hand real fast. 
And I don't think that's going to be the case. I think there's some, again, some people believe it, some people don't, but there is a little bit of momentum here for this Cardinals defense. And again, playing on Monday night football, prime time, the national stage, that kind of always amps everyone's energy level just a little bit more to where I don't think there's going to be any issue as far as this team being ready to play at 520 on Sunday night. Well, I mean, you look at the Falcons, they scored 25 points on them. Patriots put 30 burger on them. Dallas 31, uh, Miami 23. Um, and they had to come back in that game, if I'm not mistaken. And then they beat the, uh, the Vikings. They scored 26 points. Kirk Cousins wasn't very good that day. Um, so teams are scoring on them. Um, but again, I just, I just think at some point the defenses are going to step up. Um, you know, we'll see if, if Snacks Harrison's available. He's on the practice squad. They could bring him up. And, uh, you know, if they bring him up, I'm definitely going with the hurry up offense because he got tired last year in week one when he was with the Lions. And, you know, obviously Kyler Murray's going to have to, you know, control his uh, emotions early in this game where he doesn't tire out in the fourth quarter and don't, don't get it twisted the way he runs and what he puts into the game. Uh, I'm not, I'm not doubting him, but. Uh, I think it's going to be a different set setup for him at home. Doesn't have to worry about, you know, going out there and lighting the scoreboard up. Just go out there and get the W. As well as the Seahawks put points on the board, they allow several points, especially in the passing game. They are the worst defense defending the pass and the worst defense overall when you look at total yards allowed. 471 yards they allow. You keep the game close. You let Wilson do what he does best, and that's why this team is 5-0. and Yeah, and you know you talk about their number one scoring offense in football, 38-35-38-31-27. That's what they've done in their first five weeks. So only one game they scored less than 30 points. The others between 31 and 38. So that's pretty impressive considering, um, you know, well, it's not surprising considering how many points are being put up. And we know at least going into weeks five and six, the offenses have been way ahead of the defenses. And at some point, that's got to change. One last note on this matchup. And when you look at these two teams, the Seahawks with plenty of rest and the Cardinals on a short week, one day, but still one day less to prepare. Seahawks, their bye week. And you look at what this team has accomplished coming off a of bye under head coach Pete Carroll, seven and three following a bye week, and they've won four in a row coming off a bye. In fact, this is interesting. Their last loss coming off a bye, 2015, week 10 against the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, you mentioned he's the NFC best seven and three since he took over the reins in 2010 in the NFL. The only two guys that have better records, John Harbaugh, eight and two, Mike Tomlin, eight and three. And we know they're some of the better teams in the AFC. Russell Wilson after a bye week, six and one career record. That's the NFL's best mark by a starting quarterback since he entered the league in 2013. So Russell Wilson, six and one coming off a of bye week. You know what that means? All that stuff means absolutely nothing. It Play does, the game on the date it's played, and then we'll add to the stats later. It does mean they know what to do with those days yeah. in between games as far as no preparation. Doubt. 
No, listen, and I'm curious to see how the Cardinals come out of the bye week because last year, even Kingsbury said that was inexcusable what they did against the Rams. So I'm being facetious. You know, I'm surprised Andy Reid's not in that equation because those are guys that have been in the league long enough and they know how to, you know, push the right buttons and they know when to, when to back off on the players. This year it's a little bit different because of COVID, so they're not going to be able to go to Cabo or Las Vegas or Los Angeles. So hopefully uh, there's no distractions and they come back and make a run in the second half of the season. Bird Gang, if you like this podcast, I invite you to subscribe to all of the Arizona Cardinals podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Listen to your favorite shows on the go, like Cardinals Underground, the Big Red Raids, the Cardinals Red Sea Report, and, of course, this show, Cardinals Cover 2. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. All right, MJ, you are on record. Cardinals beat the Seahawks 28-24. to Pin that first loss on the Seahawks, and then, of course, kind of change course on this rivalry in which the home team, at least for the Cardinals, have not beaten the Seahawks at State Farm Stadium since 2012. Hang on one second. Some late-breaking news here on Cardinals Cover 2. You're looking for pass rush help? How about this? The Cardinals have just reacquired Marcus Golden for the Giants for a sixth-round draft pick. So Marcus Golden, once again, and Arizona Cardinal. I just watched him on TV on Thursday Night Football. <laughs> he had a sack and a half. And I often wondered, why didn't he resign with the Cardinals? Obviously, you know, he felt like he needed to go out there and test the market. He signed with the Giants last year. He was a free agent again this year. Cardinals had interest, but I think his asking price was a little high at the time. And you can always ask for the moon, and sometimes you settle for the sun. This is fantastic. This, this is a, you know, a guy that Chandler Jones and him are bookends. The one year he had 12 and a half sacks. Chandler had 10 and a half. Cardinals need an outside pass rusher. Steve Kime for president. And Kime this morning with Doug and Wolf on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station said no trade was eminent. I'd love to know what his definition of eminence is. According to the press release, it's a 2021 sixth round draft pick going to the Giants for Golden, who must pass a physical. So, Bird Gang, I know you're asking. I have no idea. I don't know if he'll be in uniform Sunday night against the Seahawks. I can tell you this. There have been eight players in NFL history that have played 17 regular season games. Most recent was uh, Snacks Harrison. Um, So it's happened before. Now, again, uh, the travel, the physical, the good news – his family's here. His kids are in school here. He's got relatives here. Hey, Craig, he did wear number 44 with the Cardinals. I don't have the roster in front of me. Is 44 available? It is a quick scan of that roster. No one is currently wearing 44, so perhaps Golden, if he wants to, can get that uniform back. Played his first four seasons in Arizona, of course, 2016 12 and a half sacks teaming up with Chandler Jones, that ACL injury in 2017, and then uh, signing with the Giants. And uh, welcome back, Marcus Golden. Junkyard dog. You talk about a guy that plays with energy and passion, not afraid to stick his face in the fan. That is Marcus Golden. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, you talk about a team and, 
you know, if we go back to last year around the trade deadline, people were talking about Jalen Ramsey and the Cardinals. They're kind of finding their identity. Um, it's not a surprise when you're four and two and you're less than ten, two weeks away from the trade deadline on November 3rd. This is what teams do to add a player. And now obviously when Chandler Jones goes down, uh, they had a, they have a need and nothing against, you know, Kennard and, and Reddick and Gardeck. Marcus Golden's a plug-and-play guy. He's played in this system. I mean, again, I don't know who else was out there. I know that they looked at some street-free agents, and we always keep in mind those guys are re- uh, they're available for a reason. So this is a great coup, and I'm sure that locker room is going to be excited because he's a great teammate, got that big smile on his face. Oh, this is fantastic. You just made my Friday better. A football Friday with news that Marcus Golden is once again an Arizona Cardinal. Much more on this on azcardinals.com. And, of course, we'll follow it as well here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. So what a great way to end the week. You get told on Thursday that your matchup is now going to be in prime time on Sunday Night Football. And then on Friday, in addition to the defense with Marcus Golden helping out, that pass rush with the absence of Chandler Jones. Certainly going to be a lot of interest in hearing from Golden, and hopefully that happens sooner rather than later. All right, Bird Gang, I know you're excited, but you got to wait a couple more days for Sunday Night Football. We'll talk to you then. We'll put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Special thanks, as always, to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro, for Mike Jarecki, a very happy Mike Jarecki. I'm Greg Rialu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.